for those that are with us online this evening, I want to encourage you to prepare to have communion with us at the end of this, this service this evening. We always take the bread and the juice, and you can use any kind of bread or juice that you find in your apartment or your home or wherever you are. And we celebrate the victory of Jesus Christ on the cross 2,000 years ago when he died in our place and prevailed over the power of the grave and death and sin and gave us the promise not just of eternal life, but of a new and a full and a meaningful life here on, on the earth as we live in him. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity uh, before we go to the communion table after I speak this word today to turn, in a sense, in your heart towards Jesus Christ and acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. And when we do, there's going to be a number that comes up on the screen that we're asking you to text in the word decided to the number 51000. That's 51,000. Text in the word decided. And when you do, somebody from Times Square Church will be in contact with you if you so desire. There will be a series of five-minute videos sent to you explaining what it means to be born again in Christ and, and where do you go from here. How do you study your Bible, for example? What does it mean to be new in Christ? How can you find fellowship with the people of God? <clears throat> Most, if not all, of those questions will be answered in these videos that will come your way. So we encourage you to do that. The message I have today <clears throat> is a message that uh, God spoke to my heart after listening to Pastor Tim Delina from Times Square Church, our senior pastor, on Sunday morning, where he talked about sin. He talked about the effects of sin. He talked about uh, the penalty of sin. He talked about how sin is, is, is rarely even spoken about in the modern-day church today. Uh, he has an expression that he often makes that we are not mistakers in need of correction. We are sinners in need of salvation. And I think for far too long we've avoided the topic of sin in the house of God. Now tonight I want to speak about sin, but I don't want what I'm about to say to condemn those of you who have a living relationship with God and you are, you are struggling, the, the enemy is against you, is against your home, your marriage, your children, your mind, your family, whatever that is. I'm speaking this message for the benefit of those who may be the situation that you find yourself in is because of sin, because of, uh, we have so many prayer requests that have come in. My, <clears throat> you know, you'll, you'll find, uh, I'll give you an example. I'm, I'm a Christian person and uh, I'm trying to be a better employer or a better husband or father, whatever it is. And yet at the end, the tail end of the prayer request is I'm hooked on pornography. Please pray for me. I want to suggest that in this particular instance, the problem is sin. And when you begin to deal with the sin, it opens that channel of God's grace to come into your life, God's power, God's freedom. Jesus said, I've come <clears throat> that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Now, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. He's come to steal your eternal soul. He's come to kill your hope for the future and your family. He's come to destroy any hope that you might have of ever amounting to that which God has called you to be in Christ. But Jesus, after these words, says, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Elsewhere in the scriptures, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father except by me, except through me. So I want to talk about sin. That's the title of my sharing this evening. Let's talk about sin. And in order to talk about sin, we have to go right back to the Garden of Eden to understand the origins of sin, how it got into the human race, what kind of a foundation is the sinful nature built upon, and in Genesis chapter 3, you're going to be surprised, some of you, to see that God, the gospel is already preached in Genesis chapter 3. You don't have to wait till the New Testament 
to hear the gospel preached. God already preached it in the garden, and you're going to see that in just a moment. Now, Father, I pray, God, with all my heart, God, anoint me. Anoint my words, God. Anoint the sharing, and I ask you to break the yoke of slavery to sin. Break the yoke, my God, of of whatever it is that's trying to destroy the people of God. Lord, we have to deal with this if we are serious about living for you, if we are serious about serving you, we can't avoid the topic of sin. For you warned us in the scriptures and you said the wages of sin is death. It still pays what it always paid. Sin leads to death. And so God, we're asking, the second part of that verse said, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I pray God, give me the ability to speak this so that people who are snared by sin might escape that trap and find life, purpose, meaning, a future, and an eternity in Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you. God, overpower the frailty of this human body, the frailty of this human mind. I offer my body as a living sacrifice to you. I'm asking you to speak. My voice means nothing. Yours is everything. Lord, speak to our hearts, God. Peel back the layers of resistance and the hearts of many who are hearing this evening. And God, give us the grace to deal with truth, to deal with reality, for it's only in truth that we can be set free. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now, years ago, we had a sheep ranch in Canada. Uh, well, it wasn't that much of a ranch. I had, about, I had 68, we had 68 uh, female sheep, a couple of rams, a bunch of goats and a duck and things like that. One day, my wife, Pastor Teresa, came into the barn, and I had a sheep on its haunches. When you take a sheep and you sit it down on its, on its, uh, its, its back legs, they, be, it becomes, they become very docile. They just kind of sit there, and they don't move. And so I had a can of spray disinfectant in my hand, and I had a very, very sharp knife. She walked into the barn, and she said to me, what are, what are you doing? And I said, well, this, this particular sheep, it was a, a Suffolk. That was the, the, uh, the brand, uh, the burden of, not the burden, but the, uh, is, well, I forget the word for it, just the type of sheep it was. And uh, it had developed a parasite under its nose. Just it was very pronounced. It was right in the center of its nose. Had a, the sheep have a very long snout. And this particular kind of a parasite, if you don't get it out, it multiplies under the skin. It goes in through the eye sockets and eventually into the ear canal and it will actually drive the sheep mad. You'll, you'll look, if, if a shepherd doesn't deal with it, eventually the sheep will be running full speed into posts and beams and into barn walls because of the, the buzzing that's going on inside its head because of these parasites. It literally drives the sheep insane, and it ultimately will run into things until it, it kills itself, literally. And I said to Pastor Teresa, if I don't take this, this parasite out now, if I don't get it in its inception, it will get into the... the, the uh, various canals in the head of the sheep, and it will drive it absolutely crazy. I remember she looked at me and she said at that time, now it's a little different today, but she said at that time, I I could never do that. And I said, well, as a shepherd, if I really do care for my sheep, I have to do that. I have to make a cut and incision, about a two, three-inch incision. I have to get in with a knife. I have to dig this thing out, stitch it together, spray it with uh, disinfectant. And that poor sheep, I mean, it looked at me, and they're so trusting, and it had no idea what I was doing. And it was painful, there's no doubt about that. And, and for a little while after, the sheep was a little wary of me. And I'd come into the barn, it would kind of crowd in the back corner. 
not realizing that I had saved its life. That if I chose to do nothing, I could have been like some shepherds are and said, well, hey, I got 67 other sheep. What does one matter? Why put myself through the pain of, of trying to extract this parasite that has, has gained a, a foothold in its, uh, in, its, uh, in its nose? But yet, the true shepherd will take the knife when necessary. Pastor Tim Delina did that last Sunday. The true shepherd will take the knife because the true shepherd sees the wolf coming and doesn't flee. The true shepherd will, will cut with the sword of the word of God if it's necessary for your soul's sake, not just so that we look good. If you're sitting in the, under the ministry of a false shepherd, they'll just spend their whole time just telling you how wonderful you are. As long as you keep filling the offering bucket, they don't much care about your soul's condition. If, if you backslide, if you fall away, if you fail in your walk with God, they don't much care because there's a lot of other people there that can keep their ministry active and alive. But the true shepherd cares. And the true shepherd will take the sword of God's spirit. So I want you to receive it in that context. I know I'm speaking to people online who are really hurting. I know I'm speaking to people who are addicted and afflicted and there's torment in your mind and your home and your marriages are falling apart and you're, you're, you've got problems with your kids. And, but we need to, before we even talk about what God can do and the miracle power of God, let's talk about the necessity of dealing with sin. Remember, John the Baptist was the forerunner to Christ, and his message was repent. Repent means turn. Repent means agree with the word of God. Repent means that your ways are not God's ways. God's ways are higher than your ways, and God's ways are different than your ways. Agree with the ways of God. Die to yourself. That's what the baptism of John was all about. Die to yourself and start to live according to the will of God. And until we are willing to die to ourselves, to die to our old way of thinking and our old ways of doing things, Jesus Christ will remain a far-off stranger. There is really no living relationship with the Son of God until we have come through the waters of repentance. Repentance means I'm, I'm sorry for the way I've been living. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry for what I've done to other people. It, it's not about what other people have done to me. It's what I have done to other people. I, I'm sorry for, for, for living in rebellion to the revealed word of God when, when I knew what God was speaking, but I, I chose my own way. And that's where we start in Genesis chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, you shall not touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil." So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her and he did eat. Now here is, here is the first foundation of sin in the human race. This is what separated men and women from God. This is why God had to send his son into the world later on to die on a cross to pay the price for our sin. It's when Adam and Eve made the conscious decision to defy the word of God and the will of God for their lives. They, they fell prey to a lie. The lie says you can do what you want to do outside of the established order of God and somehow not pay a consequence for it. And I, I believe, I've always believed the devil 
uh, was a very attractive, it describes his nature as a serpent. A serpent, of course, has no ears and is guided by his tongue. That's why he's described as a serpent. But I, I feel in my heart, now it's just my own feeling, but I feel in my heart he was the anointed cherub. There, there was a beauty about him. And, and it's almost like he appeared to Adam and Eve and said, well, look at me. I made my own decisions. I chose to do it my way. I stepped out from under the authority of God. And look at me. Nothing has happened to me. And Adam and Eve, it says, they saw that the tree was good for food. And it was pleasant to the eyes and was desirable to make one wise. And she took of its fruit and ate. So the fruit that they ate of was a theological fruit. That I can live outside of the word of God. I can defy the word of God or maybe put it this way. I can pick and choose what to believe from the word of God. I can believe what I want to believe and then I can disregard what I don't want to believe and somehow no consequence will come to me. I can't tell you how many times I have seen people fall into this trap over the years as a Christian man, as a pastor, I have sat and reasoned with people and tried to help them to see the error of their way. And, and I, I, it's heart-rending because time and again, I've just watched them go off a cliff into spiritual disaster. And some, to this day, are not even alive anymore, knowing uh, they should have known that the way they were going was going to take away their strength and was going to take away the relationship with God. Now, the next thing that happens after they make the choice, and so my question to you tonight, who are listening online, are you living in the light of what God has revealed to you in his word, or are you making excuses for it? Are you stepping outside of the lines of God's parameters for your life and somehow thinking there's going to be no consequence to it? The numbers of people who just get involved in things thinking, I can handle this. It's not going to, it's not going to take away the presence of God for me. It's not going to destroy my life only to find out that they can't handle it. You all, all you have to do is give the devil one toehold in the door of your life, and he will come in to you like a flood before you know it. Verse 7 of Genesis 3 says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So here's the second stage of sin. The first is willful rebellion to the revealed word of God. Has God said? They knew what God said, but they chose to do something else. The second is making themselves another covering other than the covering that has been provided by God. I want you to picture this for a moment. They, Adam and Eve, I, I believe, were covered by the glory of God. The, the glory that shone from Moses' face when he came down from the mountain. The glory that covered their nakedness. The they, because they were in the presence of the living God virtually every day. And it was, it was his presence, his covering that covered them. It covered their nakedness. It, it, it covered them completely. And when they sinned against God, suddenly their covering was gone. And they had to make another covering for themselves. That is the origin of all religion in the world today apart from Jesus Christ. It is man making his own covering. His own covering that says, oh, I'm a good person, and when I die, the good is hopefully going to outweigh the bad. I've never murdered anybody, so why would God reject me from his kingdom? I go to church. I even tithe. I give good portions of all that I possess to others. But you see, none of these can save you. You see, you can't make your own covering and never get past and into the, into the eternity of God because only one covering will suffice. It's the covering of the shed blood of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Now in Genesis chapter three, verses eight to 10, 
we see the third stage of sin. Now remember, number one, it's a conscious decision to walk outside of the revealed word of God. Number two is making another covering, declaring one's own righteousness in spite of the fact that the person is now in an unrighteous condition in the sight of God. Genesis chapter 3 is the third stage of sin, verses 8 to 10. It is hiding from both the presence and the voice of God. And they heard the sound, Genesis 3, 8. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. It's a type of a person who finds it very comfortable to hide in church. And the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? As a matter of fact, Pastor William used to preach it this way. The actual Hebrew translation was, Adam, do you know where you are? Do you know what you've done? Do you know what you have become? Do you understand that you are now separated from the life of God? Do you know what's happened to you? And he said, <clears throat> so he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And so the next thing you find when people are living in sin is they start hiding. Now, they don't mind going to church as long as the presence of God is not there and the voice of God is not challenging their sin. I can't tell you the number of times over the last 25 or more years standing in the pulpit in Times Square Church when the presence of God just invaded the sanctuary. I would watch people run out of the church during the worship because the presence of God had come. I would watch them run out during the sermon because the presence of God, the word of God, was now challenging their behavior. And this is exactly what the third stage of sin is in the book of Genesis. It's both hiding from the presence and from the voice of God. And the sad thing is, they were in the garden, but they were hiding. There are people who attend church today, but they're still hiding from the presence, and they're hiding from the voice of God. And the fourth stage of sin is blaming others for our own actions. Now, Pastor Tim spoke quite articulately about that on Sunday morning. And you should listen to that message. I think it was called, Has the Music Changed? So <clears throat> in chapter 3 again, now in verse uh, 12, it says, The man said, The woman whom you gave to me to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. You know, so the problem is now in the human race, the problem of sin, we live in a society today where everybody is blaming somebody else for their condition. It's my father's fault that I'm the way I am. It's my mother's fault. It's the, my former church's fault. It's my boss's fault. It's my wife's fault. It's my husband. See, I'd be such a great husband if it wasn't for my wife. Or I'd be such a great wife if I, sorry to laugh, but that's just the reality of it. You know, that we, we want to shift the blame for, I, I, you know, I, I've had people, I had a, somebody in my office one time who was, was committing a grievous sin and looked at me with, incredulously in a counseling session and said to me, if, if she wasn't the way she was, I wouldn't be doing this. See, there was no desire in his heart to take ownership for his own sin. It was his sin that had broken the covering off of his home. It is sin that broke, had broken the covering off of his marriage and was causing it to dissolve. But he had chosen, instead of taking ownership for his sin, he had chosen to blame somebody else for it, in this case, his wife. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 says, Each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. 
Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So let's go over the four points of sin again in the book of Genesis. The conscious decision to defy the word of God for our lives and the will of God for our lives. Secondly, making another covering, declaring ourselves righteous when we're not, declaring ourselves clean when we're not, declaring ourselves to be in right relationship with God when God's word clearly tells us we're not in right relationship with him. The third stage is hiding from the presence and the voice of God, even in the house of God. That's why people will gravitate to churches where they, they, they want a fire insurance. They, they want the assurance that heaven's going to be their home, in a sense, at the end of the journey. But they don't want the presence or the word of God to challenge their behaviors, their worldview, or even how they're living their lives. And fourthly, blaming. If, if, if sin becomes evident, instead of dealing with it, blaming somebody else for it. I'm a drug addict because of this. I'm an alcoholic because of that. I shared with a person recently, I said, until you're willing to take ownership for your sin, you will never be free. Jesus said you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And the inference of the word know implies, in the Greek at least, it's a heartfelt embracing. You shall heartfeltedly embrace the truth about yourself, about your condition about how, why you're doing things, about your relationship with God and how it's affecting the relationship around you with others. Now, thank God, in Genesis chapter 3, not only do we see the peril, the pitfall and the fall of humanity, we see the mercy of God. It's absolutely amazing. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse uh, 21, it says, and also... For Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. See, Adam and Eve had clothed themselves in fig leaves. I often think of how ridiculous they must have looked. Can you imagine? These, these broad green leaves, and they've made a, like a hat, like a lampshade for themselves, and they've made skirts and whatever it looked like. It must have looked absolutely ridiculous. Can you imagine they had the glory of God covering them, and they exchanged it for fig leaves? They exchanged it for like a plant? And thinking somehow this has covered me, somehow my bankruptcy before God is not going to be exposed. I, I've, I've made my, my own covering. Now, God could have, could have exiled them as he did from the garden, as he did all of humanity because of sin, knowing what sin was going to produce in the human race. He could have, technically, he could have destroyed the whole thing and just recreated it all over again at that point. You know why he didn't? For God so loved that says it all. For God so loved Adam and Eve. For God so loved their offspring. For God so loved the world. God so loved the, 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 the next generation, the next generation, the next generation, right down to you and I. That's why he didn't destroy the whole thing. That's why, in a sense, evil sin has, has been allowed to prosper. It's only because of the mercy of God. God knew what humanity would do once humankind, men and women, were living outside of the revealed will of God. And we're blaming one another. Can't you see it on full display now in our society? Everybody is blaming somebody for everything. Nobody is taking ownership for anything anymore. It's somebody else's fault that I'm this. It's somebody else's fault that I'm that. And they made their own covering. And God could have justifiably just, just put them out of the garden with the fig leaves on them. Said, go, all the best to you. But you see the mercy of God. And God was pointing to something already in verse 21 because it said he made 
tunics of skin and clothed them. He took, in a sense, the fig leaves off of them and put the skins of animals on them, which was the first indication that a blood sacrifice was going to have to be made to cover the sins of humanity. You see, these animals had to die. They had to shed their blood. They had to give their lives so that their skin could be used as a covering for the failures of Adam and Eve at this time. And this was right after, in Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, the gospel is preached. Did you know the gospel is preached in Genesis 3? Your Bible college students in the sanctuary, and many of you online, you've studied your Bible. You should know this. The gospel was first preached in Genesis chapter 3, right in the garden. Before Adam and Eve were put out of the garden, the gospel of Jesus Christ was preached. Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, that's the devil himself, because you've done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Now, I've, I've often interpreted that. It's my own interpretation, but... Mankind, humankind, was created out of the dust. And it was the curse, in a sense. You're going to spend your whole existence trying to devour the creation of God. That which God raised out of the dust, you're going to, you're going to crawl on your belly on the earth. You, it's as if he was saying to Satan, you could have lived in the heavens. You were the anointed cherub. There, were, there was none like you for beauty. But instead of being where you were and where you were created and what you were created to be, you're going to now go on your belly on the earth and you're going to spend your whole existence during the, the, the lifespan of planet earth as it is. You're going to be attempting to devour. The thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy. You're going to be attempting to devour men and women and children. That's exactly what the devil is doing in our generation. The only way to beat him is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, through a living relationship with the Son of God. And he says in verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, I'm, God says in the Garden of Eden, I'm going to have a people and from that people, a Messiah is going to be born. And through him, a seed, a righteous seed is going to come back into this world. And I'm going to put enmity between you, between your seed and her seed. Her seed, the seed of the woman, which of course is Israel. Jesus Christ was born through the seed of Jacob. I'm going to put a division between you. There's going to be, one is going to live in light and the other is going to live in darkness. One has an eternity in heaven with God. The other has an eternity in hell with you. And I'm going to, I'm going to make a division between the two. There's, there's going to be no waffling in between the two as a serpent would like it to be. But my people are going to live for me. They're going to be a people of truth. They're going to be redeemed by the blood. They're going to be empowered by the Spirit of God. And they're going to have power to stand against you and your lies that you have imbibed into the spirit of humankind in the Garden of Eden. Hallelujah. 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 And I'm going to send a Savior. That's what he was saying in these verses. And you will bruise his heel. In Psalm 22, Jesus quoted it on the cross. In Psalm 22, verse 16, he says, Dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. You will, you will bruise his feet, but he shall bruise your head. He shall tread upon you. He shall destroy you. He shall destroy the reasonings that you have planted into those created in the image of God. 
and he will triumph over you. He will take captivity captive and give gifts unto men. He will be a redeemer. And the scripture tells us in verses 30 and 31 of Psalm 22, listen to these words. A posterity, in the original King James says, a seed shall serve him. It will be recounted to the Lord for the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. A seed shall serve him. A seed shall serve him. So my challenge to you online tonight, turn from your sin. Turn from that which would destroy you. Turn from living according to your own will and your own way. Turn from your rebellion to the words and the will of the living God. Turn from trying to make yourself another covering that God says is not righteous. Turn from hiding from the presence and the voice of God. Turn from blaming others for the struggle that's come into your life and maybe even in your home because of your sin. Turn from your adultery. Turn from your pornography. Turn from your alcohol. Turn from your drugs. Turn from your bitterness. Turn from your unforgiveness. Turn from the lust in your heart and the lies on your lips. Turn to the living God. That was the message of John the Baptist. That was the introduction to Jesus Christ. And the people had the common sense to come streaming out of a religion that was hiding from God, a whole religious system that had made its own covering, a whole system that were hiding from the presence and the voice of God, a whole system of blaming one another. And they went and humbled themselves in the sight of God, went down into the waters of baptism, and when they came up, John said to them, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There is no beholding of him until there's repentance in the heart. We're not mistakers in need of correction. We're sinners in need of a Savior. And so here's my question to you. You can, you can lay down in your own garden with your own coverings, hiding from the voice of God and blaming others. And you can do it for the rest of your life. And sad to say, your eternity will most likely not be with God in some cases. Or you can be among the seed that Jesus Christ spoke about in Psalm 22. The seed that recognized that God had to send his son to a cross to pay the price for the wrong things that you have done that the Bible calls sin. The things you did, the choices you made, the coverings that you procured for yourself, the false reasonings that you allowed to get into your mind. He had to send his son to die to pay a price to restore you and to give you back the covering that was lost in the Garden of Eden. You know, in the Garden of Eden, they were banished from the tree of life. It says, lest they should live forever in this sinful condition. They were banished from the garden and the covering was lost. The covering of God was lost. At the cross, the tree of life was regained and the covering was given back. And through Jesus Christ, we're brought back into a right relationship with the living God. And the glory of God becomes our covering again. The blood of Christ washes away all of our sin. We are, we are brought back into relationship with God where we can actually hear his voice again in the cool of the day. And we're no longer afraid to be challenged by his presence 
or by his words. And we delight in our hearts with, in living inside the boundaries of the word of God. We're no longer looking to see how far we, close we can get to the edge without ending up in hell. We now want to live as close to the center of those two borders as we can. Our delight is in the law of God, the word of God. If God says it, that's what we want to be. If God tells us that's what we should do, that's what we want to do. We want to live inside the word, the will of God. We want the covering that only Christ can provide that is ours at the cross. And we want to stop blaming others and take responsibility for our own actions. Yes, my, somebody may have done something to me, and I'm not responsible for what they did to me, but I'm responsible for the unforgiveness and bitterness in my own heart and the unwillingness to release the debt as the word of God says that I should. And so will you be among the seed? Will you be among those who are technically back in the garden again with God, technically covered? Our nakedness is covered. Our bankruptcy is covered. Our foolishness and our failure and our, all the things we've done are covered and we're declared the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That would be blasphemous word not written in the word of God. It means we are as clean as God is in Christ Jesus. You can't have it two ways. That's what the Bible says. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And it gets even better than that. God now opens his word again to us because we want his word. And he gives us of his Holy Spirit the power to live in his word, the power to obey his word, the power to walk in his word, the power to become everything that Adam and Eve lost because of sin. Oh, thank God for the cross. Thank God for men and women tonight who are just going to say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for what I have done. Forgive me for the sin that I have committed. Forgive me for despising your words, creating my own covering, making my own excuses for my behavior. Forgive me for blaming others for the way I behave. Oh God, in Jesus' name, would you restore me? That's got to be your prayer today. And I see in my spirit this long line of people coming out of Jerusalem down to Jordan where John was baptizing. I see them coming and they've got robes that they've made for themselves and they've, they've got all their excuses and everything has left them so empty. Just like this generation, religion will always leave you empty and unsatisfied. It's only a relationship with the living God that will ever satisfy you. And so here comes the line of people, and, and John is baptizing them, and they're going down under the water. In other words, I, I, I give up, I give up, I give up trying to live life my own way and create my own reasonings and, and, and craft my own sense of right and wrong. God, I, I give up on all of this. And they come out of the water, and it's at that point in the Scriptures that John says, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. And I thank you, God, for making your word so clear. I thank you, God, for giving this last day generation a choice, an, a clear choice, an honest choice. If we choose to live in darkness, then we are without excuse. But if we're willing to come to you and put away our ways and embrace you as Lord and Savior, God Almighty, I pray for so many listening tonight, so many in so many places who have just had such a casual relationship with you, God.
They've not taken seriously your word. Father, I pray that you would give them the grace to open their hearts to you. As a shepherd, I plead with you. I don't know what else to do. I can see you, actually, in, my, in the spirit. I see you. You are like that sheep in my barn many, many years ago, and it didn't resist me, you know. And it didn't even understand, and it was painful, but it lived. It lived. See, that's the key. It lived. It didn't die. It didn't go insane. It didn't start running into walls. I'm talking to people tonight. Some of you are, are, are you've been punching the walls in your, in your apartment this week. You know what I'm talking about. I'm telling you why now you're punching the walls in your apartment. Something is in your mind. Something that doesn't belong there. God didn't create you that way. He didn't create you for that. He created you for a much higher purpose than what you're living now. So I'm going to ask you who are online, and I'm going to ask the people who are with me here in the sanctuary at our Bible school to pray this prayer out loud with me. And mean it in your heart. You don't have to understand every little paragraph. of the, You will eventually understand much more of the Word of God. But you understand enough now to know that sin needed a sacrifice. Sin needed a Savior. And God so loved you that he waited, even through the course of history. How many times could he have destroyed this world and been justified? And the Bible says one day he's going to recreate the heavens and the earth. He could have done it a thousand years ago, but would have lost you. God so loved you. Do you understand that? God so loved you. He created the entrance back into eternal life and relationship with him. Don't try to create your own way. Pray this with me. Pray it now. Lord Jesus Christ, forgive me for the way I have lived and the things I have done. I have sinned against you and I do deserve an eternal punishment. But you so loved me that you sent your son into this world to die in my place and pay the price for my sin so that I could come back to you again. I believe that you died in my place. You paid the price for my sin. And this day, I open my heart I invite you into my life. I thank you for forgiving me. And I now confess you, Jesus Christ, as the Savior of my life, the God of my present, the God of my future, the God with whom I will spend eternity in heaven when I die. Oh, God, give me the grace to live for you and to do it your way. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer, you are more than welcome to join us in a moment for communion where we celebrate the victory of Jesus Christ on the cross for you 2,000 years ago and the promise of Christ to be your strength in this present day that you're now living in.
would you do me a favor? Would you just text the word decided to 51,000, 51,000. Text the word decided. And just let us know. Let us help you. We want to help you at Times Square Church. We'd love to help you to get started in this new walk with God. We're going to continue to pray for you that these old sins wouldn't come back and try to govern your life anymore. We're going to pray for you that you might have the grace to yield your lives to the will of God in the future. We're going to pray that you might become everything that God destined you to be through his son, Jesus Christ, a shining light in the darkness of this present world. We're going to pray that out of sorrow, you'd be given joy. Out of confusion, you'd be given clear thinking. Out of weakness, you would become strong. And out of the ashes of your present situation, the beauty of God would become visible. That's what the Bible promises that Christ in your life will do. We're going to pray that you be given the the strength to go through adversity, whatever that's going to be and whatever it's going to mean. There's a strength in God that this world knows nothing about. And mostly we're going to pray that when we get to the throne of God one day, you'll be there. And we'll dance and leap like little children. We'll sing and shout and rejoice and give God all the glory for what he alone has been able to do in your life. I want you to know tonight that we love you. And we love you because Jesus loves you. We care. See you in just a moment for communion together. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as so Jesus paid. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. And I hear the Savior say, Thy Thine all in all, Jesus paid, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left, sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it away. Sing, Jesus paid, Jesus paid.
received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this too as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me in other words the covenant is I died to cover you I died to save you I died to redeem you I died to clothe you again in righteousness as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death in other words you, you're leaning your trust is still in Christ until he comes amen So, Father, we pray tonight for those who gave their lives to Jesus. We pray, God, that you would seal them with the Holy Spirit. You'd not let the wicked one come and turn them back to that which they should be leaving behind. God Almighty, close their mind to the arguments of darkness and open their thinking, God, to your word. Lead them by your Holy Spirit and let it be a supernatural walk for those that have turned to Christ in truth tonight. Use their lives for your glory and as a testimony to this generation of who you are. We ask you, Lord Jesus Christ, to bring glory to your name through what you will do through each of their lives. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. 